Welcome to Global Sport Matters, uh, the draft edition. It's Ken Shropshire here, the CEO of the Global Sport Institute, and my uh, uh, sidekick here, uh, Bill Roden. Bill, welcome back. Hey, man. Uh, sidekick. <laughs> <laughs> Amos, Amos to your Andy. <laughs> can, I, can I at least be Kingfish? <laughs> I'm saying I got a, a How lot. How you doing, man? Algonquin J. Calhoun, the, the, the lawyer. <laughs> and, and today we are going to talk about the NFL draft. But, but if you've listened to us before, you know we, we have these little sidetracks on uh, historic OG information. <laughs> Amos uh, and <laughs> We, well, first of all, look, growing up in L.A., you know, Amos or Andy or Calhoun, I'm not sure, or, lived around the corner from us growing up. Right. All these people lived in yeah. We lived in uh, originally uh, people from L.A. in the Crenshaw District uh, around the Adams District where uh, Sugar Ray Robinson lived. Uh, uh, Rochester lived around there. You know, Eddie Rochester. What? Andrew, oh, yeah. From Jack oh, Benny? Jack Benny's Rochester? Jack, Jack Benny's Rochester, right. Wow. Right. All these people wow. live in in our neighborhood, uh, and, and but think about it. I mean, I, I'm you know this is you know late fifties, the sixties into the seventies. But think about it, that was still a period of time where you know those kinds of people, and this kind of fits with our, our sports thing. People lived in in these neighborhoods. I mean, also oh, right. we we moved to uh, to Baldwin Hills after you know, black people having success in their life. My, my dad had a little success. So we moved to, you know, probably about five blocks away up, up a hill. And, and, and that's where uh, Ray Charles lived, Tina Turner, but also Maury wow. Wills lived there, uh, Willie Davis. And I'd say two houses down wow. from me, two houses down from me lived at different times, Emmett Ashford, you know, the, the first- The, 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 the uh, upper- he lived two two houses down, and hmm. uh, he moved out. And Pete Brown, the black golfer, moved in. Wow! So, I mean, I'm, wow. I'm telling You're you, high cotton man. <laughs> <laughs> but these, but these, these are the neighborhoods we used we used to. You know, I'm sure in Chicago, it's, 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 it was the same thing. I mean, you you had these people that they were just in the neighborhood, and, and they happened to be, um, you know, that 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 celebrity, but. Today, <laughs> today right. we are focused on on the NFL draft primarily, in, 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 a, in a couple of ways. Um, you know, we've been been having these these COVID uh, shows. This is yet another special edition, and talking about what sports doing. And in the last show, especially, we we were alluding to the fact that the NFL is the one league that's continued to go forward, business as usual. I mean, talk about that a little bit. I mean, what, what have they been doing that's, that's been, when, when people say it's business as usual for them, what, what does that mean during this, this offseason well, time? Well, that means they're planning on having a draft. And I remember there's already been a free agency uh, period where there have been free agency signings and all that. They can't do uh, physicals. You know, they can make all these splashes, um, you know, the guy going to Arizona Cardinals, or this guy, but they cannot bring them in for physicals. And, and, and also, they cannot officially announce it. And also, uh, the commissioner uh, has kind of issued a, a little velvet glove threat that anyone, any team person who criticizes this will be disciplined. You know, this has kind of come down through channels, that anyone... Oh, that, 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 that team officials or whoever can't, criticize 
the fact that this, it's business as usual. Right, business as usual. They're going along with stuff, which in a, is, is an indicator it's not business as usual, that they're trying to keep up this this thing of normalcy. And, and I guess it's, it's, it is a break. When they first started free agency, I was just so happy because we were just getting bombarded with nothing but virus. And then for relief, you'd have to watch these rallies that are coming from the White House now. You know, So to some extent, hearing about free agency and, oh, you know, the uh, the Cardinals have traded, I mean, have got signed so-and-so. It was a little bit of relief and just kind of dealing with, you know, sports, which had nothing, has nothing to do with anything. It's just an escape from reality. But um, at some point, man, you know, I think they, the rubber's going to roll because they're going to have to, they, they'll, they'll have the draft. So that'll be good. They'll have the draft, but they can't be OTAs, you know, so we'll, we'll see. But right now we're all kind of this fantasy land. And part of me is saying, thank God for fantasy land, because the reality is like terrible. Well, it's it, so the NFL regular season starts in September. So uh, most players would prefer not to get banged up, even though, even though they've now added not this year, but the next year, a 17th, 17th game in the, in, under the next right. season CBA. So the idea that they can start and get 16 games in September, they start October, they can move, you know, things around a little bit. So they've got a lot of flexibility. And, and so it really is a matter of, uh, as we've talked about in previous shows, when should sport begin again? I think the NFL is probably watches more closely than anybody else in terms of, of when they can really get things fully back underway with September being the, their runway. And, and, you know, basketball is in mid its season. Baseball was trying to get started. So they've got a different kind of a different kind of calculus going on here. They, you know, the, the draft that's coming up, this had turned into a big monetized event. You know, starting off doing it in uh, Radio City Music Hall, then moving it around in Philadelphia and Chicago. This year was going to be in Las Vegas with the, uh, you know, bringing the draftees and the. <laughs> enough, <laughs> enough, enough is enough. We're not, we're not going to have the Sodom and Gomorrah in Las yeah, Vegas. This was, this was, this was, you know, the, the NFL has been wonderful as a business enterprise. We're going to monetize the draft, we're monetizing the combine. They're monetizing everything, trying to get up to, you know, Goodell's whole edict was, they say, a $13 billion uh, business. Now he's trying to get them up to $25 billion was his. So, so, so any, any piece of property he can find, he was trying to, trying to monetize it. So, so in, in today's show, we got a couple of guests to help us think about this and uh, to talk about different perspectives in terms of what the NFL is doing. Uh, and, and how the, the real participants with the NFL are, are dealing with all this. You know, first is, is uh, first guest is Andrew Brandt, who's been a lot of different places. He was a, a vice president with the Green Bay Packers. He was also on the agent side for a while, which we can talk to him about. He was a, a Ricky Williams agent before Master P took him away from him. So he's kind of got an interesting perspective in, in that. So he's probably involved with the draft on that side as well. And Andrew, you know, does a lot of broadcast stuff as well. Our other guest is a, a broadcaster as well, but he's also a Hall of Fame football player and a former coach, James Lofton. So, so James can give us the perspective 
on kind of preparing for the draft and what you do in this kind of circumstance when you're not able to be with your you know, training partners and colleagues when you got to do this on your own, how difficult that is, uh, how coaches will view this, how coaches will, as you suggest, will make these kinds of decisions without OTAs and, and otherwise. And then just his observations about the NFL in this moment. You know, so he's uh, with CBS now and, and previously with uh, uh, Westwood once. He's been both uh, radio and, and TV. So, so it's going to be, be interesting to see their perspective. But, but what, what's, your, what's your overall in terms of, of this, Bill? Is the NFL doing the right thing in this moment? I mean, I, I know you, you were glad to get a little bit of, of, of football to interrupt uh, the virus. But is, is this the right thing um, for I sports? Mean, I, I, mean, I, I mean, again, I think so. I mean, all it is is speculation. In other words, it's not like they have uh, said, come on, you know, like as some ministers are doing, you know, having their people come to church anyway. <laughs> you know, they're, they're, they're saying we plan to open. But as of, you know, they've taken that next step and saying, okay, tickets are on sale and gates will be open. So I, I think, Ken, just in terms of escapism, giving somebody else something to talk about, you know, beside corona, giving people some type of hope, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's fine, you know, because I think that some people need that. I'm not coming down on them yet. Right now, I think it's fine because it's all theoretical. Yeah, I, I, no, I, I don't disagree. I, I agree with you. I don't hate people say I don't disagree with you. I, I agree with you. Uh, I think the NFL, from two, two, two standpoints, um, from a business standpoint, if, if I'm operating the NFL, how am I going to do this? I think this is absolutely right. I think this is uh, both they they kept in place an event that people look forward to. So they got that positive they're putting out there. They've also found found a way more than they ever have to capture the off season, right? Especially since the other other sports aren't playing. They are yeah. you know investing. They're winning. Them. You're right. Great point. They're winning. They're win- they are winning. They are winning. winning. And the investment they're making, so I understand they are sending uh, uh, aft packages, including, you know, probably every hat from every every team in the league, a stand for, for these men's iPhones to tape this and, you know, umbrella lights, whatever those things are called. So a whole package so they can sit in their living rooms, the, the top 50 guys, and when they're called, they've got a plan to shift to them. So they've got a made-for-TV thing in this moment too, which you think about it, there are no, no live sports except Belarus and a couple other places. So this will be a, a live sport event. I mean, think about that. Would it, would it be something that if, if the draft turns out to be the highest rated sports program post March 11th? I mean, that, that, Cause, you know, cause, yeah, not, that's, that's a great point. Cause I mean, think about it made for zoom, made for whatever production yeah. around yeah. this so that you're tuning in and I don't think people had to pay when they got to the draft. Um, maybe they turned this again into a pay-per-view that if you want to now tune into the draft and you've got your NFL package, you know, and, and, and you know what I'm saying, using technology to take you places that you couldn't go before. And, and the second part of what the NFL is, is doing right, and, you know, we've seen somebody do this wrong in, in, in the White House is, 
to keep the positive out there, the season is going to begin. And we are planning for the season to begin. And But I am sure, I have no inside information, they are scurrying around with every contingent. They've got a, a, a war room with every possibility of, okay, if it stretches to this or you know, when do we can't, they, they've got all that plan. When do we cancel the season? How, how do we do this? They've got every plan in place, but, but for your fans, it's, it's, we're, we're keeping this as, as positive as possible. So, so, so the league, you know, as a business enterprise, um, you know, to answer, answer my question that I asked you that you asked me, yeah, I, I, think, <laughs> I think, I think they are, are doing the right thing. I, I think, I mean, for me, the most curious part of this and somewhere along the way, you know, it, it would be great to talk to some players um, that are are in this moment. How are, how are you? How are you dealing with this in, your, in terms of your your preparation? You know, the guy, the old guy, the Tom Brady's and those guys is like, I get, my body gets to rest. Let's just see, you know, see how this this goes. But the guys that were ramping up and getting ready for the draft and all that, those are the ones I'm I'm most curious about. So in terms of the, the spectrum of this stuff. And you know who else is, has quite a role in this? Is, is coaches uh, keeping, in this case, their men focused on right. stuff and, and not being too, too rigid, allowing them to, you know, so all that stuff, knowing what, how many days have off. There's no, there's no playbook for how to do that, that kind of thing. Right. And then what you brought up too, one of the roles of the coach and the assistant coach is to make sure these guys are in shape. I mean, people who stay in shape are going to be in shape. If you're if you're one of those kind of people who can you have issues with weight, uh, that could be an issue too. So I guess if you're a coach, you really have to stay on, make sure your assistant coaches, your dietitians, nutritionists are staying on to eat right. I don't know how people could work out. I mean, I guess depending on your pay grade, you know, some people may have like a football a football field in their backyard or something. You know? Yeah, yeah, but, right. If you don't have a gym in your house, uh, you know, gyms are closed. Uh, in you yeah. know, most most of the country, ninety percent of the country, it's not the gym that you know you and I need for the beach work we do. We, I mean, we get some little. <laughs> they, need, they need some real, right. some real weights. Right. So, I was talking to somebody. Uh, uh, we were talking to a basketball coach, a basketball agent. In terms of players getting their shots in, and this guy was saying some of his agents, not like the second, third tier guy, are moving baskets into their yards or something. But if you're like LeBron and those guys. You have gyms in your house. That's going to be one of the the, the, the big issues that we will see um, with with this draft. The, the other thing that that, uh, that that we want to talk about, uh, apart from the draft itself, the year of the black quarterback, and, and where are we with that with that now? So we'll get into that later on and into the show. Um, but you know, the, the questions that come up is how many black quarterbacks will be drafted? Is is the I hate this word. Will the pipeline be filled uh, uh, by these black quarterback prospects? Right. So all that's going to come into play, uh, and we'll see the reality of this this year of the black quarterback uh, coming up in, in the draft. Uh, Billy, any, any thoughts on that? Uh, there's a um, Jerry Brewer, who's a columnist for the Washington Post, wrote what I thought was a compelling column, saying how Cam Newton, for all the talk about you know, last year and Lamar, Jackson, Pat Mahomes, how Cam Newton is going to be a, a, a more accurate indication of how well black quarterback has this thing really tipping point where, 
you know, the black quarterback thing has really got to like being like a wide receiver or a running back where it's just taken for granted. Um, I was listening to something today and they were talking about draft gurus are still number well, you know, quarterback is still the most important position in professional football. And they were pumping up Joe Burrow and Joe Burrow this and Joe Burrow that. But from the front office perspective, how much of this is talent and how much do you feel you need uh, white quarterbacks? Is the white quarterback still a necessary component to appease, particularly in the in this era of POTUS 45, when white entitlement, whiteness and all that, how important is that? Is having the white quarterback still being the face of your quarterback, how important is that? So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm <laughs> eager to hear what he may hope he'll yeah, he yeah. come, on, he uh, come and, on the show. And Andrew was uh, with the Packers when they drafted Aaron Rodgers. Uh, so he's there with that Aaron Rodgers, Alex Smith uh, draft, so he can give us some insights on what kinds of conversations take place in terms of deciding who your quarterback should be. So so that's going to be very interesting to uh, uh, to hear about. So. So why don't, we, uh, why don't we get the show underway? All right. I'm game. You, you've distracted me with enough Amos and Andy to get us off track. Now we are <laughs> back on track. What? <laughs> the NFL Draft. Andrew, James, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for joining us. We've been talking about um, a lot of ways that the coronavirus has negatively impacted the sports world. And Bill and I talked a lot about the one sport that seems to, to keep chugging along is the National Football League in, in terms of the way they've been doing business, in terms of the free agent market and, and now the draft coming up and going forward with, you know, without much hesitation. And, and certainly from, from Park Avenue, the word that the season is going to start on time. And I guess just, you know, not too long ago, the President Trump said he wants it to start on time. So we just saw we just saw that that come through. So, Andrew, why don't we start off with you just just as in terms of uh, from your days in, in the, the Packers front office and getting ready for uh, the draft to come up. So the combine happened. But but what what are people in the front office missing uh, by virtue of not doing to do whatever it is you would do? Uh, with players that you didn't see at the combine or even those that you did see up until draft day? Yeah, first of all, I hope everyone's safe and healthy. And uh, I think we have to just comment on what you just said first, Ken, is that the NFL has powered through. In other words, free agency on time, draft on time. While the world is sort of falling apart in different stages around us, the NFL is like powering through. And I was initially against the whole idea of starting free agency on time because I thought, not so much that I understood everyone needed a break and needed some normalcy in their lives. I just thought they need that even more later, like now or May, or April or May, where things have kind of bogged down for a while rather than early March with free agency. But I get it. Free agency kind of came and went, and here we are with the draft, and I get it because if you push back the draft, you don't know how things are going to look in May and June and how long we're going to be under this semi-lockdown, et cetera. So I get it. The NFL wants to project this image of business as usual. I think they're a little too much trying to instill confidence. They need to sort of balance that delicate balance between confidence and caution. 
which is a really tough balance we can talk about throughout this talk. But right now, you know, getting back from the combine is when sort of your last hurrah in getting ready for the draft. So there's three parts to an organization. There's scouting, there's coaching, and there's my area, which is financial management, cap management contracts. The scouting is the key side here because they're going out for the final pro days after the combine. And really this time right now, early April, is all about visits. And that's what you can't have right now. That's the difference in 2020 because of the virus. The, you know, in terms of what do you do from the visits? And I know people say, well, you've seen enough tape. You've seen enough of these guys. You talked to them at the combine. You talked to them at all-star games. You know, this is kind of the team visit where you get them in the meeting with the GM. You get them in the board. As James knows, you sort of set up the board and everyone's looking at the board and show me this play and how do you do this? And if you're a receiver, what do you do on the X? What do you do on the Z? If you're a tight end, what about a seam pattern here? What did you do in college? All that kind of football-y stuff that goes on in these meetings. What I looked at the meetings and we were allowed a certain number to come into the facility was, you know, look at them in the eyes, see if they're going to con you anyway, see what they really think. And here's a little secret. When we sent them back with the intern to the airport, I always asked the intern, like, hey, what'd they say in the car? You know, because sometimes they'd say, yeah, I don't want to go to Green Bay, too cold up here. Or they'd say, I really like those coaches. It wasn't, wasn't something they'd always say that. Wasn't well, they always say that. You know? <laughs> but they sometimes they would say things about, you know, that coach, you know, I, I no one's ever said anything like that sure. in terms of that play call or something like that. And, you know, no one ever thinks the intern driving them to the airport is going to report back. Uh, so that was always really? a little secret we had, too. Really? I think that... If somebody didn't know that, I think I really have doubts drafting him. If he didn't know this guy was going to report back, yeah. I don't think we need to put our team. <laughs> well, maybe I shouldn't have said intern. Usually it was kind of a hired driver. Uh, sometimes an intern would go with them. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. we would find out some things like, you know, like you said, if they don't have enough awareness to talk bad about the team on the way back to the airport. That's a problem. <laughs> right. right, right, right. Uh, but, but in general, the same question to you, James. I mean, honestly, you know, the normalcy is important. And uh, I talked to in a previous conversation, forever, you know, I've had a switch in my thinking. I used to always kill spectators and fans for saying, this is our escape. This is our escape. Right. You know, and I'm like... In the past like couple of weeks, I've been thinking, you know, I need an escape too. You know, just after hitting about all the worst tragedies all over the world, let me tune into NFL satellite radio or NBA. So I just want to hear something about something that means nothing at all, nothing. <laughs> so you know, free agency and all. But I guess James, you then I hear when POTUS forty five says, "Let's go back." My, oh, shit. No, I'm wrong. <laughs> Let's not go back. But what do you think? I mean, <laughs> what's your first instinct, James? I mean, same thing, man. Uh, should we be talking about just kind of going back and starting on time when economies are crashing? More of, you know, New York is an epicenter. More people are getting sick by the day. What, what do you think? Well, I kind of get to look at it from almost three different vantage points. And, and I want to kind of go back to a little bit about what Andy was talking about. He's talking about being part of an organization, not as a player, but as a coach or a scout or in the front office and how you kind of view things. Um, one thing we always talk about in real estate 
people talk about location, location, location. Well, if you were going to talk about football and you were a coach, what would be the most important thing? Details, details, details. And that's what coaches want. They want to delve into it. They want to get their hands all over it. And you talk about not even being able to have players in the building where you can put them up on the board. And William, yes, when those guys get out of the building and they're 21, 22 years old, they feel like, oh, they're free. I, I, I got over that. And yeah, they do start talking once they get in that car with the intern or even with the, with the assistant coach who might be driving them to the airport. So uh, they let down their guard quite a bit once they get away from the head coach and the general manager and the president of the organization and the owner. So that does change. But as I look at how the NFL has said, we, we've got to move forward because if we don't move forward, when are we going to get all these things done that take so much time? And for the coaches who don't get a chance to talk to the players as much as the scouts do, uh, yeah, they're handicapped, but it's, it's the same handicap that everybody has in starting this race. The only teams that may have a little bit of an advantage are the teams that got to coach these players during the course of the All-Star Games. Because one of the things that you want to learn is how does that player learn best? Does he learn best on the field? Does he learn best in the classroom? Does he learn best by going to the board? But all of that, when you think about what's going to happen this season, and, you know, depending upon your political views, you hear President Trump say, I hope we start on time. That could be the kiss of death right there, <laughs> the way that he's uh, managed things so far. You don't want him talking about starting on time and, and getting things done in a timely manner. Um, but, and I really believe that, yes, players would like to play, but you have to think about when is it really going to be safe? It's going to be right. safe once we have a vaccine, once we have treatment. And until then, I think that we are just kind of crossing our fingers and, and, and hoping that we can start somewhere on time. Yeah, hey, James, I want to ask you about a, another, from another angle. I mean, that, that's certainly from your, your, your coaching hat and your, your observer hat. It, it, so you're the, what were you, the sixth player picked in 78? Yes. So... <laughs> Imagine, you, you know, you're, go back to your 21, 22-year-old self, and you know, you're, you know, they've seen you at the combine, you know you're going to be this, this high draft pick. What's, what's making you continue to work in this period of time when you don't have that coach you were talking about in your year, when you don't have the same facilities that you would have? Right that you've got to find a way to do it. I mean, talk, and, and, and have you talked to any guys about what they're doing in this moment to, to stay who they are, as opposed to, as, as Bill and I were joking about, you know, gaining the, uh, the COVID-19 pounds. I mean, what, what, what kinds yeah. of things? <laughs> if you're in the state of California, which is where I live, and I go out for bike rides every once in a while, and I drive by high school tracks, it used to be full of athletes, whether they were, High school athletes, some collegiate athletes, and even some professional athletes would find these facilities to train on. And I think that's really been taken away in California. I don't know about other states. I don't know about Arizona, if it's a little more lax. But the ability to be part of a training group is really taken away in California. I know a lot of players have trained in Arizona, in Florida. And I don't know if that's been curtailed a little bit. And now when you're supposed to stay six feet away from somebody, pretty hard to be in a training group, pretty hard to have a uh, 
physical therapist who's going to stretch you and limber you up and get, get you ready. Pretty hard to have somebody who's going to spot you in the weight room. So I think it's tough for players right now. I know, you know, guys who have enough money can do a lot of things in their own home gym. But if you are really practicing social distancing, I think it would be extremely hard to be an athlete getting ready for a sport right now. Um, I just think it would be incredibly tough. I know when the NBA stopped playing, you know, they told their players, you know, get away from each other. Don't go and you know, play pickup games with each other. So you, know, you want to have that quarantine period. If you, if you do get the disease and you can get over it and come through it with, with no great physical strain on your body, that would be great. But because we don't have the testing available, how do you know if the guy who's fixing your smoothies and your shakes right after you finish your training and handing it to you, if he's been cleared, or the you know, guy who's stretching you, taking your 40 time, throwing you the balls, you know, putting the bags up and all that stuff, doing the hand-to-hand combat with you if you're an offensive or defensive lineman. So I think that those, those stress points are really interesting. And uh, I think a lot of that is going to play out with the uncertainty that goes on with not only the, the rookie players who are coming in, but even your veteran players. And a lot of the players who signed during free agency still haven't taken their physicals with their new teams yet. I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's entirely a new normal, as James talked about. Uh, you know, the one thing I've heard from with NFL execs uh, is that we just don't know, and we're trying to do this out of our basements now with Zoom. We're trying to do this as best we can. You know, the IT department, people are being sent over to their homes and they're wearing gloves and, you know, they're trying to make sure their kids don't come in while they're doing their, their work or whatever it is. But I think what, what from a player point of view, you know, as you guys know, the last CBA and the new CBA are very similar in the fact that players wanted time away in the offseason. They did not want to be beholden to coaches. And now we're even in this mandatory period right now, basically from the end of January till now, where players, COVID or no COVID, can't be going into facilities, can't be working out there, can't be interacting with coaches. So the unintended consequences are they've got that in spades now. Now they've got that through, we think, at least July, where there is going to be no physical contact. There is going to be nothing there. So what do you look to? You look to preparation through technology, uh, preparation through relying on veteran players once you get back. And I think there's some people that look at this if we go forward, which we'll talk about it with NFL football, as can we get a competitive advantage out of this? Will there be roster makeup that's different? Will it be harder for low-round draft picks to make the team when you want to rely on maybe a, an older veteran who knows the system better than a young guy, there'll be decisions made because of this that are different in a normal year. And it may be these, like I, I just talked about, kind of these security blankets. Well, these coaches know him. He's been around a couple of years. He's not as talented as the rookie or the young guy, but I think we're going to let go with him. So I think there's going to be some different decision-making this year because of this, a little more conservative. What about this? Let's, let's, Okay, just for the sake of argument, let's say that we go ahead. Let's say we, we go forward. Probably just as many people are going to be out of shape who are going to be in shape. How do you, I'm just thinking of a sport like football, there's just so much contact. Going back to stadiums, I don't see that. So for athletes, how do we even begin to do 
training camps. I mean, how do you do this? Do we have to test all the players first? Let's go forward. How does this even look like? How do you even begin to begin to invite just the players back? Yeah, I, th- I think that that that's going to be maybe the most interesting thing because at that point, let's say we do have the 15-minute testing where you can test somebody and know within 15 minutes. Do you then test your players every two or three days to see if somebody has contracted the virus on the team and that you have to isolate that guy? Do you also have the blood test at that point where you can say they've been through it? We hope that they have the immunity to last them for five, six, seven months at a time where we can, we can make it through a football season. And uh, what happens to the spectators in the stands? I know when I go to my grocery store now that there is a line outside, and in that line, we're six feet apart. Do we go from an 80,000-seat stadium to a 80,000-seat stadium with 15,000 fans in it? Uh, what, ha- what happens in the broadcast booth? Uh, I know when the broadcast booth, I'm about a foot away from the stat guy and another foot away from the spotter on the other side of me and my play-by-play guy, we're all hunkered in within about four feet of each other. Uh, we have people behind us. So all, all those things I think will have to change until there's a vaccine or a treatment for the virus. James was referencing some of my uh, uh, university games at Stanford in an 8,000-seat stadium with <laughs> 15 people, not 15,000, but that's a whole other uh, episode in in life, you, you know, less, uh, I mean, less importance than that, James, I keep bringing up your, your history, but I'll, so the draft wasn't a big pedantry thing. No, not at, not, not at all. The draft was not, you know, and I'm not trying to belittle anybody, but when you're in high school, one of the biggest events that you have is prom and you get dressed up in a tuxedo. The women are in gowns and you take pictures and it may be the highlight of your life up until the age of 18. And, and maybe the biggest highlight and biggest day until you get married or until you have children. Well, the draft is that on steroids. Um, these young men come in, in, in custom-made suits that they're only going to wear once in their life. Family members escort them to whatever city the draft is going to be held in. I was at the draft last year in Nashville, Tennessee, with 200,000 people. They were expecting the draft to draw a half a million people to Las Vegas just to watch the draft, to watch this much of an NFL career because it now takes a bigger meaning than how well you're going to play. What's your draft status? Because that's going to determine how much money you're going to make for the next four or five years in the NFL. And it's going to set you on a course for the rest of your life that people look at and some guys will have the verbal ship on their shoulder because they weren't drafted until the 22nd pick in the draft. Oh, 21 teams passed me by. I hate all those 21 teams. Mm. So you got to kind of get over that. And I think people will get over not going out and hugging Roger Goodell in front of a huge crowd, not having six interviews for radio and television before you walk off the stage. So, yeah, you, you can get over that. Because you're just you can still, but can't you, Andrew? But but can't you still have that to me? The beauty of everything. I mean, everybody now is thinking about how to monetize all this stuff. You're still going to have those 
whatever thousands of people, they're just going to be tuning in. Maybe we're going to yeah. offer them stuff that you couldn't do live. We're going to give you, particularly yeah. on your subscription package, you're going to have access to certain things that the guy who only pays X doesn't. I mean, you could almost have tiers, just like you you have tiers of stuff. If you pay this, then when, uh, what's the kids who's going to get drafted? Joe Burrow. Well, maybe we get some insights. You know what I'm saying? I guess I'm saying I don't see any dissipation. You could really put price tags on things that we've never been able to put price tags on before. Yeah, I mean, the one thing you won't have is the gathering in Vegas. Other than that, you know, what the draft is, the primary action of the draft is Roger Goodell reading names. (laughs) That's the action. And so the reading of names will happen. And then the second day, Troy Vincent and others, the third day, it'll be all these other people. And you'll still have that. And then you'll have a look like this, like uh, Hollywood Squares and Roger Goodell with a big board behind them and people in their basement or wherever they're going to be. The NFL knows how to put on a draft. So listen, we keep coming back to this point. Of all the sports in the world right now, the NFL, it's, this is very relative. I don't mean to make light of this, is, is the luckiest. Because right. there are no gatherings. There's no people coming together except in this Vegas draft, which you can have without people. So right. we're really going to talk about what happens in August and September. But all these other leagues are like, oh, my God, you know, we're interrupted. Baseball can't start. What's going to happen? And here we are talking about the NFL, which has the luxury of A, time, and B, following whatever Adam Silver and Gary Bettman and Rob Manfred do. We'll sort of see what they do. And if they're playing in front of fans or not in front of fans, we'll jump in. So the NFL just has this incredible luxury right now. Well, I think the point that Roger Goodell may be looking forward to with this draft so this will be the first draft in our memory where he'll walk out on stage and he will not be booed. But you know, I think every single person, everybody has been on TV and we've been in studios with no people. You're basically playing to the camera and I run a sports and recreation program and they're all addicted to 2K. Yeah. They could recreate a whole experience that you can really almost have if you were there, you know? So, because you were mentioning, uh, James, well, what about stadiums? I'm thinking fans, that's out. Uh, When the Big East and the Big 12, those conferences say, listen, we're willing to have games without fans. We've already got corporate dollar. We don't need the fans here. You know, y'all stay at home. I just, I don't know. I don't see people going back to the stadium. I just see them monetizing all this. What do y'all think? Yeah, I mean, I... I want to follow up what James said about testing and all that. I just, you know, listen, I'm a, I'm invested. Obviously it's been, I've been around the NFL 25 years. It's just, um, it's hard to see right now because forget, even forget the fans, you know, look what happened. The NBA shut down based on one player and one player getting it on Wednesday night, March 11th was the tipping point for not only NBA, but all sports. And what is going to change that? Is it even going to be extreme testing that's over in five minutes? I don't even know that because what if we start training camp and we start getting some cases, whatever form of training camp that is. And then we talk about games and it's not just the players, it's officials, it's, it's refs, it's media, it's trainers, coaches, staff. You see that there's 70 people on those sidelines. So 
I just don't know. I mean, it just seems like this is a gargantuan task. I had a player reach out to me this week with a question I really couldn't answer, which was, hey, if they say we're going back, even without fans, do I have to? What if my doctor says don't do that? What if my wife won't let me do that? What if my kids won't let me do that? What if my mother, who I'm going to come back and see at some point during the season or I want to, who's elderly? You know, so there's a hundred, hundred questions have to be answered. And I don't know, you know, what the answers are right now. Well, let me ask one uh, big philosophical question for both you guys to, to close out. I haven't asked Bill because he, he didn't go to Stanford like you two guys. So he, this might be too complex. Oh, wait a minute. Both of you? <laughs> No, you know what? No. Next show, next show, we're gonna have an HBCU show. You'll have an opportunity at, at the end, right. and we'll talk a little slower. We have no, so so we had a a, a a program the other day where we had people from around the globe. As they asked me, the, the question in talking about sport in general, when you look for opportunity and all this, you know what? You know, what is it that you know? I was talking about. You know, I'm learning how to jump rope, all this kind of crazy stuff. You know, what am I going to get in the moment? So to, to, to both of you, the word that they used the most frequently was reset. What is, how is, how should we reset? You know, if we really had control of things, what should we really do differently? And, and you go beyond football. What should we do differently with sport than we have been doing all this time? Because this, this has been, as, as we've talked about, a complete shutdown. So. You know, some some leaders could jump out and, and and do some things that are really different than have been done done before. Some athletes can do some things different. What, what, what kinds of of resets would you like to see um, as as we come back? Now, James was a an engineering major, so this might be a little you know he's looking for the numbers and all this. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to think about what I would want if I were a 25 year old athlete. And I happened to have been around a couple of them right before um, the pandemic really, its legs took off. And I was on a cruise with uh, Blake Martinez from the Green Bay Packers, who's their middle linebacker who has subsequently signed with the New York Giants. And I was there with him, his wife, his younger brother and sister, and his mother and father. And I really think the reset button is... The same thing that I see when I take my dog for a walk in the afternoon here, I see all my neighbors. I see people that, you know, I knew the house was there, but I didn't really know who lived in the house because they were normally at work when I was at work. And when I'm gone on the weekends, I don't see those people. I think the thing that you're going to get to see maybe more when we come out of this is you're going to get to see people a little more. You're going to, you're going to notice the individuals a little more. I know in New York City, there are just throngs of people when you walk the streets. And you, you don't acknowledge people just because you're in a hurry to get from point A to point B. And I think that, I don't think that we're going to be in as much a hurry as we have been. And maybe that'll be a little bit of that in sports. I don't know what form or fashion it will take. I think being a little cordial to each other will be a little more commonplace. Andrew, what, what about you? Yeah, I also think on the personal side, there's going to be a reset in terms of commonality, and we're going to be so interested in getting back to connections and community. Now we're doing it uh, distance-wise, but 
just the idea of connection is so important and you lose that with this shutdown and everyone's doing it online and, and through text and phone, but it's, it's a, you, you miss that. And I think as James said, you sort of miss it. You see your neighbors and uh, I, I am doing a lot of running and biking at a distance, but seeing those trails packed with people and everybody's got a wave, everyone's got a nod, everyone's got a smile. I think that's great. I think the sports thing, I guess I'm going to sort of, sort of bring in the science because I worked in the NFL with the Packers at a time, and this was even after James, where, you know, let's bring it to concussions. That was just kind of, you know, you got dinged. And over a period of time, it became something different. And now we're in an age where player safety is so important. Players sit out for not only days, but weeks at a time with concussion. And it's now we don't trust the coach. We don't trust the GM. We say trust the doctors. Think about basketball. There was a time where there'd be blood on a player and they'd kind of stay in or wipe it on their shirt or whatever. And then, of course, the game stopped. You come out. The trainer has gloves. You take him out of the game if he's bleeding. You wrap him up. You bring him back only after that. And, and so I think there's going to be this with the virus. So I don't know what it's going to look like. But sports will look different in terms of respect for science and medicine with infectious disease. And the only thing I can compare it to at the Packers, we had a couple players with MERS, remember that? M-E-R-S. Yeah. And we, we quarantined them in the hotel down the road. Uh, I just think this is something where we're learning. It's all going to be new, but something in, so- in soccer and football and basketball and baseball hockey, it's going to look different based on this experience. Well, Andrew, James, Andrew Brandt, James, James Lofton, thanks for taking us through the draft and, and then to uh, a little Stanford philosophical conversation on the reset. And we'll let, we'll let Bill give his thought, you know, give him a little extra time. And when in closing, we'll see what, what Bill has to say on, on this as well. Thanks, guys. You're welcome. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you. That was great. Thank yeah, you, guys. That was great. Yeah, this, this human contact is wonderful. I mean, I learned all the stuff is a chore. I'm having a great time. <laughs> Could you imagine children, let's say, born like this, and then when they, let's say they're born, then when they get to be nine, they say, what, you guys used to like, do what? You have to play dates? You used to do, you used to, what? You know, this whole idea of like contact. Well, already, I mean, you know, a lot of kids, this is no different. You know, they, they text, they talk, they, they Skype, they Instagram, you know, it's like, well, so what's different? I know. Should have bought shares of Peloton and Zoom. That's, (laughs) oh my God. That's right. That's right. Peloton was on the ropes. (laughs) No more. Yeah, you, I, probably, I probably need to get a, a Peloton. I mean, we've been <laughs> walking in the neighborhood, but now this mask thing. Are, are you guys? Are, are you guys going out with masks? Now, Andrew, are you going to do your heavy duty running with mask, or what? What's your? There, I do have this kind of running thing that you put around the neck and you can pull up. I guess I'll do that. Yeah, I saw more people with uh, scarves on today oh. while I was on my bike mm-hmm. ride than I had just yesterday. In the hood, you can't go, you can't wear a mask. <laughs> James can't remember, he's supposed to wear, James can't remember, supposed to wear red or blue. He's, he's completely lost. <laughs> exactly. It's rough in the San Diego streets. <laughs> All right, guys. All right, thanks. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Andrew. See you guys.
So, Bill, that, that was really uh, a great conversation there yeah. about, you know, the NFL overall, the draft, and I know you had some thoughts on, on resetting sport, too. But no, I, I mean, that was, surpri- that was surprisingly optimistic. I might leave this conversation optimistic. <laughs> you know, as opposed to most of these conversations, like, oh, my God. You know, I think that uh, surprisingly optimistic. And like I said, I mean, I, I think that what Andrew put it best, the NFL continues to be lucky. <laughs> you know, they, they're, they're fortunate. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. But it was an optimistic conversation. No, definitely, definitely. And, and we'll carry, carry it on. I mean, we'll, we'll certainly get together after the draft and see how things are and, and, and talk about the things we need to talk about, uh, especially issues related to, to the black quarterback, for example, and, and whether yeah. or not the black quarterback continues. But if you'd like to reach us in between, uh, you can reach me on Twitter at Ken Shropshire, or you can reach the Global Sport Institute in general at Global Sport ASU. Bill, what about you? Where where can people find you? And me, you can find me. <laughs> find me at uh, <laughs> besides sequestered in your, your place. Sequestered way out. the hell out on Mars. If you but no, it's at W C Roden. It's at W C R H O D E N. I've also got an Instagram handle, Ken, but I just don't know where that is. We'll get that next episode. I've got all, all those too, and, and uh, yeah, if, I think we need to shave about 25 years off to be able to rattle all of them off, all of them off <laughs> to the end of the show. But it's been great. Thanks, Bill. All See right, you thank you. Take care.